Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is still the Rocky Balboa Edition. Well, I guess the Rocky Edition. Today we're doing Rocky Balboa. (laughs) My my name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, of course, the mad fighter himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit me, Tom. Uh, I'm asking, you know, because you're so good at dancing around your problems, you know, you might as well dance with me. I ain't that good, you know, but probably better than the average bear. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) An improv, I think. (laughs) I was going to say, is this the beginning of Stallone Tourette's? Is this the the first historically recorded example of Stallone's no longer performing dialogue, but now just saying words? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I I don't know about that scene, but I I had a specific note about the light bulb scene, that uh, he did not expect the light bulb to be so bright, and so everything afterwards is improvised. <laughs> he just is Rocky Balboa so much that he can do anything as Rocky. Balboa. I think a high percentage of this movie is outtakes, um, but I think. Whether whether retrospectively or preemptively, Stallone was able to fashion that into Italian neorealism documentary. Because, as we know, <laughs> exactly. he is a cinematic genius. <laughs> yep. <laughs> listeners, for, for listeners, uh, Tom literally just sent me a video That's yesterday. Right. Uh, an interview that Stallone was doing about Rocky right. Four, an episode we just recently yeah. did, and he was discussing all the things yeah. we discussed. To to uh, to to the word, <laughs> I mean, to, to the yeah. letter. It was so funny it to really watch. It really was. I, I guess the we were speculating about MTV in yeah, the eighties yeah, and he, he, what he... what. He specifically said, you know, I was trying to imitate MTV as much as possible. Uh, I guess the... That's why shots are no longer than two and a half seconds long. Why there's so much montage. Because he knew what the fuck he was doing. There was only a a couple of revelations in there. One that... um, Well, I guess they're both kind of related. But that uh, perhaps... Perhaps the muted color palette of the director's cut wasn't entirely intentional because it sounds like the the negatives were in pretty bad shape. That's what he, yeah. So maybe he had no choice but to kind of downplay the color because everything already looked so muddy. I don't know. That was the sense I got. Um, I got really sad, too, when he was talking about, because you're talking about 50,000 feet of film and it's just yeah. in pieces. Um and that you might want something that you just are never right. going to find. And also that, that Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is in better shape than Rocky Four in the yeah. in the preservation department. 
Which is a sad state, yeah. which as he, as he reported is a sad state of affairs. <laughs> I like Stopper by Mumble Shoot more than most. Oh, me people, too. But <laughs> not that. But not that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, well, maybe we do need an ultimate director's cut of that movie, and uh, maybe, maybe maybe it's a it's a comic masterpiece waiting to be <laughs> unveiled. Right. Exactly. He is underrated. Not by us. As a comedic <laughs> genius. Yeah, overrated yeah, no, by no. us, underrated by everybody else. <laughs> I literally was just talking to Lady Chu the other day. Uh, for those of you uh, that know, we have a sister podcast called the How Dare You Podcast, and she is a the uh, a co-host. And I was talking about the movie Oscar. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love that wrong. movie. <laughs> And I think that movie's uh, hysterical, and nobody else seems to, and I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't say it's, it's hysterical. There's nothing wrong with that movie at all. It's uh, so funny. Which is, you know, I think counter to most people's opinion of it. Uh, but it's, yeah. you know, it, we asked However, this the very first time we did any uh, Estalone movie. We, You know, I, I said, how deep in the hole are you? How how. How in the weeds are you when it comes to denying that Stallone can be bad occasionally? <laughs> I guess right. Rocky Five is our like uh, is our barometer now. Give well, how much yeah. we did both despise yeah. that movie, despite the fact you know it's a it's a Rocky movie, it's a Stallone movie. Um, that he was involved in the writing of it, but maybe we don't like it because he didn't direct it. I don't know. I think that's a factor too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we like him so much. I was just thinking the same thing. We hate John G. Avildsen more. <laughs> that's great. Uh, today, however, we are talking about Rocky Balboa, mm -hmm. the 2006 film that did bring Sylvester Stallone back to the director's chair. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this movie is the high watermark at 77% on Rotten oh, Tomatoes. Oh, good. I'm glad it's recognized as such. Yeah, for the sequels. Uh, budget of $24 million. Opening weekend of $12.1 million. In the USA, 70.2 and $155.9 million in the world. All right. This is a respectable hit. Yeah. And both both of us list this at the top of our Rocky sequel list. Yeah, you know, in 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 the nineteen ninety five movie, The Usual Suspects, there's a line that goes, "The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist." I beg to differ. Yes, I think the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is Rocky Balboa, because yeah. there's a satanic level of magic involved in having a belated sequel. 16 years after the previous installment with which was a, a, an utter failure right. that last yeah one. and a, a bomb at that um yeah starring an actor now you know legally too old to be a boxer right in a movie about a boxer <laughs> In a, with a storyline that involves virtual reality. I mean, there's no there's no conceivable... But actual the, boxing, unlike the last movie. Well, the, yeah, but can, there's no conceivable reality in which this movie works. Except it did. Right. And it's the best and most beautiful so, but the thing about, film in the series. The, right. The thing about this movie, and I think you've alluded to this in in our ranking episode, 
that the idea of the boxing in it is absurd, like completely ridiculous. And... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's is it though? Uh, well, that he is boxing. I I, I believe I'm just okay. quoting you, but <laughs> well, you know, I I but, did... so I think what works what works so well about this movie is that everything that has nothing to do with boxing, except why he wants yeah. to box, is perfect. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Where he is in his life, what's going on in his life, uh, how he feels about mm. Adrian dying, and what's going on with his son. That whole storyline is amazing. And then you juxtapose it with what you said was, uh, but I actually think is still smart story-wise. This idea of the virtual reality boxing match. Well, no, well, this is this is the thing, you know. As I'm as I'm watching them, you know, like the the first note I make about that is, you you know, forget Seiko. There's a new, uh, you know, there's, there's a new science fiction reality in town. Um, this ESPN <laughs> computer simulation that everyone wa- that. But that is absolutely something ESPN well, would do. Well, not only that, it's it's something absolutely something ESPN would do. It's something that is based on once again on historical reality. Right. Yeah, we have because, talked about that. You know, the, uh, in the late sixties, um, a computer simulated a fight between Rocky Marciano and Muhammad Ali, um, and that's what this is. That's what uh, this is this based is based on. on. Uh, Stallone talks about that in that interview that that I sent you, where he also revealed that the storyline of Rocky IV is based on a real historical incident in which Hitler sent right. sent a super fighter over to America to beat the shit out of Joe Lewis. So it seems Joe that Lewis. the more fa- more fantastical these stories seem, yeah, the closer they are to actual reality, which I find fascinating. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> it really and you does. know the, 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 that's uh, so. It's it's actually a re- <laughs> you. You said it. It's a really smart story move, um, mm-hmm. because it, it. Well, not just that, because he's smart enough in this movie. You spoke about his age. He's a boxer who's too old to legally yes. box, and. He's smart enough to know that. And even the character himself, when 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 this fight is proposed to him, he's like, look, I'm not looking to, like, get yeah. embarrassed and get yeah. mangled. Like, you're crazy. This is this is insane. Yeah. But but, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, it's also I mean, it, it also helps the other historical part that's quite interesting, you know, because. I, I don't know about Marciano, but um, uh, certainly Muhammad Ali boxed much older than he should have done in his oh, career. Yeah. And, you know, at, at, and Larry Holmes paid... did that. George right. Foreman did that, but did it well. So it's kind of putting. He won the championship at like. So, 45. yeah, so it's kind of like putting it in the context of retired, you know, like semi retired or retired fighters making a comeback, which. Sure. Which is is also smart. I also like the fact that uh, even the movie seems to know how absurd it is because Paulie refers to it as the cartoon fight. Yeah, 
<laughs> which which is you know it, which is good you know that cuts through that that cuts through the no- a multitude the non- of yeah the nonsense of it however i do want to remind you yeah. that paulie was in a sexual relationship with a robot so he should understand this level of technology <laughs> better than anyone right paulie <laughs> has put his penis in more advanced technology let's than be this. clear he fucked that robot <laughs> In the mid '80s, <laughs> so I'm not buying this. Oh, the cartoon fight. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever, computer fucker. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, where do we go from here? You know, one one of my first. Um, notes is how efficient the exposition is in the first five to six minutes of this movie you know everything you need to know about rocky's life yeah that's and where he is absolutely true and uh early on i i kind of noted that it's actually it's it's a really it's a really smart place to put rocky at um because Mm -hmm. it it like and he recognized that early on in his writing process. He 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 went to Talia Shire and said, I think this is how it has oh, to really? be. But asked permission. Yeah. Like, are you well, okay? She should have seen it coming after Burgess Meredith and I was gonna say Carl but, Weathers. But Burgess, she Carl must have Weathers. Known she was it was her nobody, or Paulie next for yeah. the next for the chopping board, right? She's lucky she was in Rocky Five, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> not one but two 1990s disasters um yeah uh so, well yeah and i and i noted in it you know so like the the socioeconomic circumstances doesn't disavow rocky five but there's also a sense that he's moved up a little bit from then it's a logical extrapolation of of where that movie ended yeah. and uh till now which you know, bridges it bridges the gap between a movie that you know they all wanted to kind of move away from tonally, but not necessarily in content. Uh, so it's a so it's a smart right. move. But I I'm just struck by how immediately iconic this new idea of Rocky seems. I mean, maybe it's the Creed movies, but it seems like it's been around a lot longer. Like the 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 image of him by mm-hmm. Adrian's grave with the you know with the chair that he puts back in the tree when he's done with it. It's like, it's like, to me, that is as yeah. essential Rocky imagery as, you know, any of the stuff from the first couple of movies running up yeah. the steps. And I think that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the key to this movie is that, that it, it makes everything feel so organic that it, that it feels like it's always been with us. But when you think about it logically, like, well, this, this can't predate Adrian's death. <laughs> but because he's right. a, you know but and you know the creed movies obviously run with run with those images but still uh, i'm just struck by how how immediately normal this feels for rocky not just that and but again b- back to the efficiency so you know where he is you know that yeah. he's alone but you know that even paulie shows up and says hey where's your kid and he goes ah it's all right paulie and so you know there's a strain there. You know that the sun's yeah. kind of removed. And again, another re- another from his life. completely and plausible extrapolation of where we left the series 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, 
that's also, and I think what what to me is crucial about this movie is it takes advantage of the the serial storytelling possibilities that that a series of this of this length and time span um, uh, you know, makes possible, and uh, it takes advantage mm-hmm. of every aspect of that. And his relate having this kind of you know this kind of relationship cycle with his son throughout the last three or two or three movies, I think is, is, is beautifully done. Well, and not just that, but they have the moment where he finally sees his son, when he goes to his son's job is perfectly done. I'm going to go out on a limb and say like 99% of this movie is perfectly pitched. That's right. why it's the best yeah. in the series. You're, you're in, right. In the sequels. You're absolutely yeah. right. Because I, I can remember seeing it in the theater, and some of the things I respected so much was that scene yeah. with his son, because you see how much Rocky wants to be connected to his son and just be in his life. Mm-hmm. But not only do you see the hesitancy from his son, but you see the why. Yeah. And it's not without, it's not hitting you over the head with it in the sense of, he doesn't say it to him until much later. You just see people constantly coming up to Rocky Balboa and saying, hey, yeah. can I have an autograph? Oh, mm-hmm. champ, how are you? Even with just a few words, you see how slighted his yeah. son feels. And and in addition in addition to that, you know, so what I think this movie's really good at is kind of bridging the gap between the two lives that Rocky has led in the series that we've seen, you know, his life, his life right. as a, you know, national global celebrity and as, you know, this kind of uh, street guy come good. And this, you mm-hmm. know, the, the fact that it, it's just people in his neighbor, you know, like people in his neighborhood in, you know, in the streets of Philadelphia coming up to him, there's no sense of his celebrity going right. beyond that. It's just people asking right. for, for photos. Um, and, and, you know, because he's their right. guy. He's a local celebrity now, and that's again, that's the perfect yeah. place for him to be at this stage, right? For both the storytelling and the plausibility, um, but also, you know, thematically, this movie to me is about the limits of nostalgia. It's like how far can you know, how far can you go with nostalgia before you have to move on, and. Mm-hmm. All the, to me, the restaurant is a real. The fact that it's called Adrian's, the restaurant he owns, is is yeah. you know sort of sort of is you know sign literally signposting that that. And one of the first people we see yeah. is Spider, who is literally the first person you see him fighting in the entire series. And the but first tonally, Rocky. they're also they're smart enough to you know that they'll have this moment of pure nostalgia that will be undercut by something, by an awareness that. Uh, it's it's kind of backward looking, and and dangerous to be th- you know to to. You mean in other movies in movie. or in this movie? So every you know every, uh-huh. we have we have a like a, you know like an indulgent moment of nostalgia, and it'll be undercut usually by Paulie saying something. Uh, like oh, I see what early you're on in yeah, the movie, okay. so you know he says time goes so fast, and Paulie replies not fast enough. And I think I yeah. um, and when he gets to the restaurant, like I mean. I love everything about the restaurant. I love the fact that he puts on a, a like a jacket as if he's some a busy performer. 
But it's also yeah. like it's also like the guy you know who has to be given a jacket at the door because of the dress code. You know, it's it's like it's a combination of the two things. Well, but also also part of it is he's the little chimp that has to go and get the, but the that, coins. But, and, but you know? the, they it's directed as if as if he's been pulling this shtick so long the diners are barely interested anymore. It's like right. it, 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 the sense that Rocky's nostalgia for the for the life he's had is now too much for everyone else around him. Right. And that's such an interesting proposition, and that's what the movie got. You know, that's what the the drama of the movie is about to me. Um, well, and going back to the scene that I was talking about, you know, with the where he does f- yeah. see his son, there are there are look, like the one thing this movie has is just great moments of yep. choice in that scene there's a moment where rocky asks his son did i do something wrong mm. oh yeah and that's heartbreaking man like that says everything about where their relationship is right now yeah um and just the idea that his son is saying no no like everything's fine i'm gonna see you tomorrow i'll come to the restaurant but doesn't show up Mm-hmm. you know those those things yeah because that felt so emotionally honest. And that's what, that's, you know, that's where, because we haven't felt that in a, in a long time in this series. It just, feel, it, like, it just. Even though, like, three and four have those yeah. moments peppered in. I like the beach scene. We both like that staircase scene yeah. in Rocky Four, But they're getting more and more outlandish and cartoonish. Oh, this is, yeah, I mean, this, this is. A, and this is so grounded. It pulls, it pulls back in, in pretty much every aspect. I mean, the, there's an early sign of that, you know, the, the, the scene that, that I just referenced when he says not fast enough. I noted at that point that, you know, we've endured, you know, if, if you're looking at the this, this series back to back, you've endured a whole movie of where the dynamics and the performances just didn't feel right. And it's like someone's just flicked a switch and they're just fixed. Like immediately. Right. And that's and that sets the tone mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. Like every time anything happens, it, it it feels it just feels right for the series. And uh, they they backtrack on the demonizing of opponents as well in a really positive way, which right is not only important for this series but is then crucial for what will go on to be Creed. Because Creed, without right. without that resetting of of Rocky's legacy of giving giving parallel narratives and character arcs to the opponents you don't really have creed you know and yeah um re- i mean i suppose 3 is the only really outlier is only the is the only outlier there um what they do between Rocky 4 and Creed 2 kind of you know one makes up for the other um I'm sure but it seems very deliberate here to make to make Mason Dixon more in the Apollo Creed mode than the uh, Clubber Lang mode. Well, and I want to talk about that some more, but let's. Why don't we go ahead and take our first break? Yeah, because it's a longer conversation, I think, and then we'll come back, and I want to ask you a specific question about that. All right. <laughs> I don't know much about my Civil War history. Don't <laughs> be right back. I 
like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beer. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing the 2006 film Rocky Balboa. All right, Tom, when we last left, mm. we were talking about Tarver. And so here's my question to you. Considering that the last film, Rocky V, yes. included a real boxer and that his acting chops were not up to snuff... <laughs> Don't you think it's kind of remarkable that he went back to that well for this movie? And like you said, what he does, what he the choices he makes works. Right. He's not vilifying the person. This person, Tarver, has a good want or need for the fight. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. They have the, the sense enough to show enough backstory of him with his old trainer. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you know, you talk about emotional honesty and... For us to have that uh, that scene between him and, and his trainer, Martin, and, you know, for us to for us to know what their backstory is. And it, it's interesting that you brought up Rocky V because, you know, there, there's while keeping more or less with the with the timeline of, of Rocky V, such as it is. Um, <laughs> right. It does a lot that is a riposte to how things were done in Rocky Five and how we treated certain subjects. And to me, like like thematically, this is all the same stuff that we got with Tommy Gunn. Right. Right. His he he's he's basically Mace has basically done to his trainer what Gunn did to Rocky in Rocky Five. Right. We learn. So it's kind of like. But it's it, like it feels, to them, it's it all like in the game. game. Right, if it, it's it's an emotionally honest redo of that emotionally dishonest right. storyline that that we that we talked about um, extensively. And my favorite part uh, is like, and, well, if you want to give me any of that money, yeah. <laughs> and they both laugh about it, like that's not gonna happen. And as the movie goes on, it's like you know, it's like they've they figured out how to do that Tommy Gun storyline with without you know without it it being a caricature. Yeah. Because even you know we we have characters who are basically surrogates for that you know uh, that Don King clone we had. Yeah, we have two Richard of them. Gant. 
in the last movie, you know, there's a couple of managers who are, you know, at least in their place in the stories, exactly the same, but they feel like genuine versions of that type. Right. As opposed to, you know, absolute caricatures of it. Right. Um, and I, I, so, they so look to me, like, it's, they it's feel about... like promoters. They feel like people yeah. who want to try and find a way to make yeah. the public at large love Tarver yeah. in a way that feels honest. And the whole thing that they're selling Rocky on is, look, he's not in there to mangle you. He's going to carry you. We're going to, it's a, sh- it's yeah. a show. We're just putting on a right. show. You're going to make a little money. Yeah. He's not, he's not a Bond villain, right? right. He hasn't got this giant Machiavellian plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what's great. You know, that's what's great about it. You know, they bullshit Rocky a little bit, but not much. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, they're two-faced, but that's the nature of their job. And it, it kind of vin- it, uh, to me it vindicates what I was saying about Rocky Five, which is that there's nothing wrong with it on the uh, on the level of content. It's all about ex- if you execute this properly, this is really interesting dramatic material. Could and this be this movie in the Mason, you know, in the Mason Dixon storyline, and the fact that it, it's something of a redo of the Rocky Five subplot. Uh, I think just goes to prove that. So, I mean, you know. We both talked about how conscious this was as a kind of a, a, a riposte Rocky Five, an apology mm-hmm. for it. And I think part of that is actually going back to the well and doing it right this time. Yeah. As opposed to saying, okay, you know, he's famous again and this fall from this, you know, this poverty and this, this, this uh, fall from grace never happened. They don't do that. But they answer it in other more interesting ways that's all about, you know, uh, doing real drama with the same content. Correct. Instead of cartoonish nonsense. Yeah. But it still feels like a risk to me. Yeah. I'm, and maybe maybe it was just because he met Tarver and and it was as simple as this guy's charismatic. I think he could be a decent actor and he because he's good in the movie. He's very good in. Well, he's great in the movie, and it's kind of it's it's sort of it's kind of like anti charisma almost. <laughs> right. You know, because you know, it's this is this the that's what's interesting about this movie. Like the obvious way it would be go to have this fighter that everyone loves, but in fact the storyline is that this guy can get no love from anyone. Right. And he's jealous of the fact that Rocky, you know, is beloved. Can, it's just, it's just he, you know, he can go into a room and and he's everyone's friend, right? And that's a much more interesting tension to me, yeah. Than, uh, um, and you know that because you could imagine I, I, as I, a real fighter who has to yeah. get in the ring and take a be- beating and give a beating and say like, what else do you want? Right. Like this is my job and I'm doing it well. Well. And that's and that's it. And I think and, and I think Stallone is smart enough to blame, like the boxing industry and the way society at large treats people, mm-hmm. as the problem here. It's like it's an impossible for you know it, it basically saying, basically it's impossible for anyone in this world to get recognition for being good at what they they do. Whether it's his son and the you know all he's going through with his work, right. whether it's um, Marie. 
you know, who and we haven't talked like, about Marie yet, so that's well, we yeah we you know, and I think I so I think you know Stallone. It's a very embittered look at the way society has developed. Yeah, but, you know, it's like the, the individual has become basically you know pushed down by the structures around them. Sure. And well, and Rocky uh, what is, I like trying to, Rocky is trying to sort of in various ways trying to reinvigorate the individual. Mm-hmm um in in society well i think one of the things again like you know on on the line of secret smart guy the (laughs) the brilliant thing about having the character of marie so good and juxtaposing it with the character of say like a mason the line dixon yeah is that idea of what you were just speaking to about the idea of of how difficult it is to move up within the society that's around you And the difference between her and Mason the Dixon line is this sort of his world-class talent as an athlete. For Mm -hmm. so many people, that is the only way to move up. And if you don't have that, society society will find a way to keep pushing you down. Yeah. The world around us will, will, uh, you know, find a way to make your life difficult uh, at all times. Yeah. And you know, uh, well, you know, again, I don't think Stallone is 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 pushing the pol- the you know the political ideas behind this, but we do get a flavor of of the idea that racism might be involved in that. Right. I think when you see the reaction to the computer simulation, how that's divided along racial lines. Right. You get the sense that maybe for the first time, Stallone is getting the sense of how like racially segregated the the response to his movies is so i think this movie is sort of an answer is sort of a, an answer and an apology for that too and that's great it at know, least feels pace, like it's on his mind yeah and it exactly and it, it's and again you know with this is why i think without this movie creed cannot happen right because this is the place that creed can go from but it can't really go from rocky five and it can't really go from sort of basically rocky three to five it can't happen for various reasons it's 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 interesting as you know i think it's on his mind is quite interesting because you know paulie's still a racist yeah he has several you know several moments of of um, of racism in this movie so There's what i find that... interesting though is that paulie is still racist but paulie is still Right now, Polly is Rocky's emotional relationship. And yeah, what I find really interesting is, in this movie is how well they know each other. Yeah. Because it's, it's Polly that says, you're mad at her because she's gone or because she left you. And he's like, she didn't yeah. leave Polly. She died. But Polly was right. That's what he's pissed about. Yeah. And when he starts talking about the things that are going on in the basement... And they have several conversations like, is the the stuff in the basement gone? Like after the fight. So, Polly's still a racist, but he's still a full human being. Oh, he's definitely a full human being. By the way, it's a... I remember commenting in in the Rocky II episode that there wasn't really a place for Polly within that story. Mm -hmm. But this has gone full circle because... He's everywhere in this movie. Yeah. Everywhere you need him to be. He's Rocky's carer. He's he's the 
you know, he's the guy who's cuts through all the nostalgia. Right. Like, instantly. He's part of the artistic soul. And of part of the reason because is because see... he can sell everything that is nostalgic for money. Yeah. That's a plot yeah. point. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but he is, you know, he's also, again, like, uh, you know, it, he's that dark doppelganger of Rocky. He's like, you know, I know what you really are. You don't want to admit this right. is what you are. But whenever, basically, whenever you have unpleasant feelings, that's me. <laughs> I am that side of right, you. Exactly. Um, so it's a fantastic place. And you know, the, the, the addition, you know, we've, we've been, we've been everywhere with Paulie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it is a little bit of a, a jab towards Rocky five that he's now in charge of his finances again, as if, as if none of that ever happened. Yeah. I think that is, that is, <laughs> that is at least an acknowledgement that, that um, scapegoating poorly for that was a narrative mistake. Right. Because he's back in charge of his finances. Well, there's the, you know, it's interesting because you have that aspect to it and you also, he is, he's also, in this movie, he's such a counterpart to Rocky at all times. Yeah. When they go on that Adrian nostalgia sadness tour. Yeah where Rocky is going to all the places that meant something to him and Adrian, and yeah. Polly agrees to go along, but the whole time he's just, let's go! Come well, on! This is the, that, that's the Kara dimension. It like it feels like... D- d- dimension, because it feels like he's sort of taking a guy with dementia around. Mm-hmm. That's the feel but of But then that also scene. emotionally... And, and, and because... his nostalgia is depicted as a kind of Alzheimer's. Yeah. But then... Which, it... Is great because he you, then you can do recap montages and it feels right, so right, right. With a man who is sort of on the verge of, of like an Alzheimer's like inability to distinguish between past. But and emotionally, present. it's really important to have Polly there because he actually leaves at a certain point. He says, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, yeah. like she's gone. You know, we ha- yeah. like I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that clearly this is something they do every year. And clearly, Rocky goes to the gravesite every day. Yeah. And for him, that's all he's got. Yeah. And so if Paulie leaves and he's not going to be included in this anymore, that stirs up the basement even more. Now I'm all alone, mm-hmm. which would make him want to fight even more. Yeah. So there's there's a point like, you know, I just... Secret smart guy. Sorry. This movie is is... This movie is so smart. No, that's all there. That that's definitely all there. And we we add we add to Paulie's kind of um, characterization. You know, the because of Adrian. You know, because Adrian died relatively young, mm-hmm. he's now feels guilty about the way he treated her when she was alive. Yeah, and that's a lovely turn for his character. Absolutely. Uh, in addition to everything else that that you've been talking about and it it's really interesting like you know in Rocky 4 when you finally get a tender moment between Rocky and Paulie mm-hmm. and in this movie it's like you know it's a parade of of, <laughs> of tender moments between the two of them. Right. it's like you wait four movies and then suddenly <laughs> it's like yeah. a carnival of tender moments between the two of them but it it not only do, not only does it work it's the um, it's the absolute heart of the movie, which is not to say that you know he still isn't the 
he's still the same character we know because he says lots of racist things to people mm-hmm. uh and he still you know he still has that clownish buffoonish edge i i gotta say the scene where paulie who's just been fired yeah i was just gonna bring that restaurant up with uh with half a pig under his arm uh, and paint a bunch of paintings under his other arm. <laughs> and he walks and into the eye, restaurant. A black eye and grabs a bottle of booze from behind the bar is worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that may be his best comic moment in the entire um in the entire kind of ser- series of sequels. And I actually this see this is why this mo- this movie when I first saw this movie. I was kind of blinded by how good it is. Right. And I was immediately in denial about that. But it couldn't have been. Right, because I was yeah. like... <laughs> I, my inst- my instantaneous reaction, which is my reaction now, is this is the best version of this scene that I've encountered so far. This is the best version of this relationship. This right. is the best version of this uh, shtick. Yeah. So there's the poorly, which is my favorite poorly moment ever. There is my favorite ever Rocky gaff in the restaurant with the two promoters mm-hmm. where, you know, they ask what's good on the menu and he replies, yeah, it's all edible. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the promoters laughs like it's meant as a joke and Rocky looks around. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> like at the time I remember thinking, funny? is that the, is that the funniest scene in, I've ever seen in a Rocky sequel? Right. And, and it is. But I just didn't want to admit it because <laughs> this movie shouldn't be as good as it is. Right. There's like there's no way that the 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 last iteration of this you know plot device should work better than any that it's ever worked before. Of course. And as you know, since the original. But that is that is the magic trick that this movie um pulls off. And just uh I haven't but like my next note here is one of the things I noticed is he, f- well, maybe that's unfair because we talked about how super secret smart Araki Four is as a director, but yeah. he, but my, but, but the note I wrote down was he feels like such a more, a, a, a more, not a more accomplished, but such a better director. Perhaps less, perhaps less, uh, less outwardly accomplished, but right. a more, a more artistic. thoughtful. And artist- yeah, more yeah, artistically exactly. skilled yeah. director. Um, he really, to me, he paints this movie. Exactly. It's an expressionistic movie uh, in a way that, um, you know, he, he, you know, he's, he, in Rocky 3 and 4, he learned a bag of cinematic tricks. Right. And now he's able to pull back from, from the technique and explore, you know, things like tone and emotion and right. uses of, you know, like uses of color and light. Yes. In this movie. That fight with his son is I, is it not only the content is beautiful, but the look is beautiful. And light well, the co- is a part the of that. Of this, the color of this the color movie of is it. so interesting. He manages to make color both muted and pop at the same time. Right. Well, and, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But the one thing that I truly love that he does with that fight is that <laughs> that fight is not done on film. It's it's yeah. shot exactly the way an HBO boxing match would appear to an audience until it turns until it goes black and white. It's, yeah, 
<laughs> yes. But I'm saying... No, but that's part of the... It, st- it absolutely starts out this way. And that's another element of his directorial style, which, which uh, he's pushing here is, is the ability to sort of play it as documentary fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an early scene in the movie which is just Rocky buying food at the market. Yeah. And it looks totally unscripted. It looks like a scene out of a, you know an Italian neorealist movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, and, and when we get to the fight, we have another, we have another kind of, I find that scene very interesting too, fiction. because it, it's, it, it, you find, you know, it's interesting because you find Rocky, uh, using a set of skills. We never knew he had that have clearly oh, negotiating. been negotiating. What's that? Negotiating. Yeah. Like, like, and, and just, uh, just the idea that the, the getting the exact right amounts to make yeah. that night's dinner yeah. service, you know? Yeah. All of that felt, um, I guess, just because I, I, I've worked in restaurants a long time. Yeah. And so I, I know what that's like. And uh, it's it's fascinating for me to watch because it feels so, again, like everything else in this movie, it feels honest. Yeah, I mean, honest is a good word. I, I think tonally what I really like about this movie and why it kind of sums up the rest of the movies in the series and is the best version of, of them um, is because it, it it finds that sweet spot between romanticization and realism. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean, like, you know, from the color, which is both muted and popping at the same time, right. uh, to... You know, they they lean into the romance when they need to, and then they pull back into reality when they need to. And it never seems like they make a wrong move either way. Like, they dip their toe just enough in each, you know, in each, for, for when when they need to do it. Yeah. Without, without indulging in either. And that's kind of what, that's sort of what I, I love about, you know, like, it, it's, it feels... It feels hard and real sometimes, and sometimes it's soft and mellow. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's you know that's the sweet spot of the series. Similarly, with with tone, you know, it's in that sweet spot between comedic and straight. You know, not too not too funny, not too serious. Yeah, that's just it. It it it's pitched perfect. Yeah, it, it and it also it all seems very very deliberate because it's all it it's none of it is extra none of it is extraneous so you know we feel everything feels very plausible and then you'll get a moment like you know he goes into the boxing commission gives them an impassioned monologue and they let they give him a license it's like okay well this is not reality as we know it no this is this is a romantic but he pays service to it (laughs) But you pay service, exactly. Yeah. At least, you know, and it's interesting that that's one of the scenes he put back in Rocky Four. Yeah. Was a commission, was yeah. a similar commission scene. Um, well, I think because... maybe he saw how good this one was. Yeah. And thought, right. I should put that shit back in. Because the moment, you know, he sort of loses his temper and his hand goes on his hip, but the character realizes what he's there for and why he's there. Yeah. And he checks himself. To not, it's a night. It's, it's a, like again, it, just pitch it's perfect. Great... It's it's so. Everything yeah. about it is so emotionally laid bare. He's he. It's a great performance from Stallone in this movie. 
it's an astonishingly good performance, uh, especially coming after Rocky Five, where he he pretty much misjudged everything. Yeah. Um, I know it's sixteen years, but for our, for our purposes, it's it's the last thing. Right. Um, but I I think that's it. It's just even within that scene, you know, you get some notes of realism. Like he has he has his Jimmy Stewart moment, right in the boxing commission. He gets up. And he gives his impassioned monologue, and everyone changes their mind. You know, everyone right. <laughs> just changes based on what he said. But but he does. It's not. But he doesn't get to sort of do the full monologue uninterrupted. At one point, yeah. one of the commissioners sort of corrects his corrects his interpretation of the Bill of Rights, which again doesn't happen in Mister Smith Goes to Washington. Right. Like nobody goes. Uh, yeah, but that's a bit of an idealistic way of looking. <laughs> it's not exactly <laughs> like that, that. Yeah, I think that that's a there was it's a beautiful but. You know this this storyline relies on transformative monologues to get us from one point of the story to another. Yeah, and that's fine because you know we, we like you know as in Rocky Two, I'm like, well, that piece of melodrama is earned. Mm-hmm. So here, I feel like that like that romance is earned here because you know the movie's not going to indulge in it too much, right? At any point. And the basis of the movie is grounded, is 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 social reality in a way we, in a way that the last movie was trying to do, but actually did the opposite. Right. And that the last two movies weren't really in, the previous two movies weren't really interested in. No, no, yeah. <laughs> so you can, you get a what you get away with a lot of fantasy, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. because. Uh, Partly because it's you know in the series fantasy is you know fantasy and romance is still a part of the series. It's a huge it's part of the series, but but like we were just saying, in this movie, it, it in order for it to be belie- believable, you just have to pay a little service to it, and he knows yeah, exactly right. how much to do and exactly yeah. how much works to make us say, yeah, this could happen. So well, it's like you know putting in that new that news item in the movie about the Marciano Ali fight. Mm-hmm. It's like you know I've already written the note that this is a completely implausible use of technology. Except it happened a, in real life. He has a factual yeah. response to that. All right. Well, let's take another break and then we'll, we're going to come back, everyone, and we'll finish up with Rocky Balboa right after this. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to stay on target. That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. 
And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here finishing up talking about the 2006 film Rocky Balboa, directed once again by Sylvester Stallone. He comes back to the helm, Tom, in a in a good way. Yeah, a different man. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Before we get to this fight, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. One is uh, Little Marie, and the next is this fight he has with his son. Marie... <laughs> it makes me think of, it, of of Indiana Jones minute when they did um, Last Crusade and they, they thought there's so much that doesn't work in this movie but the one thing that you, you think could never work his relationship with his dad is the best thing in the movie and I kind of feel the same way about this it's like, it's like Adrian's dead this is well, it's not a love interest, and that's why it's good. But at least that's broad, why it works. Exactly. At least in broad so, strokes, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Outwardly, it's like I remember. It's like this shouldn't again in no conceivable reality does this storyline right. work. I think, as you were saying, the fact that it's little Marie, and we're picking up an incidental character from the first fucking from the first movie Rocky is such a masterstroke. And but it's an emotional surrogate. I don't. He's that's it. All... Never falls into that for me because she because we, because she is still she's again like you know. No, I we, mean for the character of Rocky. He's making this choice. So, their, but their I relationship. Can... The difference for me is their relationship is everything, everything other than what he had with Adrian. I think that's the yeah. Key no, it. completely. It's completely. Like, it's you know they play the paternal element. They play the platonic element. But they don't. It's play a the different romantic. emotional relationship, but it's still a yeah. substitute to me. But they're also aware of that and as a pitfall because of of uh, his relationship with her son and the way he reacts to him. Yeah. And so the movie, we're kind well, of well, not just that. We're basically but... steps, aren't we? We're we're there going like, I don't like this. I don't like yes. where this is going. Because I remember having that thought <laughs> as I was watching the movie the first time in the movie theater. And I thought, if these two get together, I'm off this movie Completely. for fucking ever. 100%. And he's smart enough in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of their relationship on screen to have him say, listen, I don't want you to think anything weird's going on here. My wife's gone, but she ain't gone, you know? Well, it, and you feel completely relieved at that point. And how that, he and how he deals with steps and how steps deals with him. Like, once yeah. he's all right with it, we're all right with it. Right, which is a right. really, again, really smart way to play that storyline. But you know, they go as far, and you know, at, at the moment at which you feel like this that it could shit the bed, and and that they'll get together, we just have a, you know, we have a tender kiss, and he, she gives him a photo of of Adrian. Right, because you for for a half second yeah. you worry again. You're like, no, this isn't going to happen. You're not doing it now. And she does this very sweet thing of giving him a photo of his wife. The only overlap, which is actually an overlap that I like, is that she falls into the uh, Connie Cilieri role that Adrian has in some of the later Rocky movies. Mm -hmm. Like she's she starts advising him on things. Yeah, I, I I like that. That is where they draw the line, because you right. you because you, uh, I think in terms of how these stories work, you do need that. Love you. You do need that. Yes. in the character. But... but it's also what I like is it's you know, 
Because let's not forget, she's, this is the first... She's giving different reasons than Adrian would. Absolutely. And let's not forget, like, let's not... You can't, un, you can't underestimate this enough. This is the first Rocky movie where Rocky doesn't have Adrian. Right. Like, this entire series is built about Rocky and his bride from the very beginning. Correct. This is the yes, first exactly. movie without that. So you are expecting something to not feel right for everything to feel everything, you know, involving his relationship with other women to feel totally artificial. And that could not be further away from the truth. Of course. And it, the fact that she's little Marie helps, but it's the way that they continue to write and develop their relationship that makes it a success. Right. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about it. I mean, even it's a couple like these. It's one of my biggest notes about why this movie's good. Because they get that relationship right. Yeah. And they get the relationship with his son right. I think, and, you know, <laughs> listen, I don't need to tell you, Stallone is by no means a feminist. But uh, right. in, an, his, his, in, his own, in his own patriarchal way, he makes a point of, of making this movie about giving women self-respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some there's something inherently sexist about the fact that they need to be given self-respect rather than, than right. just being entitled to it. But but through Marie and through a, a much more minor character in this movie, Angie, who is like uh, um, this kind of right. this screaming woman at the bar uh, who's like in an in this kind of like entourage of of women. It's kind of like the ugly side of celebrity. Yeah. You know, Um you owe me something. Why don't you buy me a drink? Kind of a and she just idea. says, you know, get rid of this guy. Stand up for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then and you know and and we see later you know, in the movie she sort of that that eased. worked. <laughs> yeah. She so so it yeah it, it's clumsy. It's 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 it look probably looks very old fashioned and and you know doesn't there's problems with it in 2021. But I do appreciate sure. that it's there. Yeah. That it that it is part of the of the of the representation of female characters in this movie at the, at the very least. Well, and next I want to talk about this fight with his son because. Oh, the fight with his son. Okay. Yeah. I, to, street, uh, back to street fighting. It's a master stroke though, Tom, it's a master stroke of, of emotionality. It's again, it's something that to me is pitched so perfect. And because he's, He he makes an excuse for his son at every turn that he possibly can yeah. to the point where he, no matter what his son does, like like what he ends up doing at the beginning of the movie is asking, have I done something wrong? Mm -hmm. And then that turns into something else. And I, well, let's I, like this is what I want to do. I want to listen to it. So I'm going to play I'm going to play the scene. It's probably about 90 seconds. Let's take a listen to it and then. We'll have a chat about it. Deal? Sounds good. You ain't gonna believe this. Where you used to fit right here, I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's gonna be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day was like a privilege. And the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. 
You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame. Like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. Mm. I'm always gonna love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. All right. Tom, this is the highlight of the movie for me. For a lot of people, too. I love that scene because it starts off with... Uh, I just think it's so brilliantly written. It starts mm -hmm. off with sort of boxing platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> Life lessons through boxing. Yeah. And, and then it, he becomes... A father. I mean, he 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 actually starts parenting his own child. Yeah. When he starts saying, you know, that's how losers talk, and that ain't you. Yeah. I love everything about that scene, and we talked about colors and and tones and emotionality and the emotionality of of the direction of that scene too, and the lighting, mm -hmm. all of it. And that is... slight tinkle of the Bill Conti score underneath. Yeah. It's like again. Just enough, just enough um, sentimental sprinkling. Right, it does it uh, just to, right to, sort of, to carry to carry it through. And it that I mean, it's really interesting. You know, it, it's it's another transformative monologue. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but they, they they push the visceral nature of it enough that you buy it and you see why. Well, because again, Rocky, it's a great you, performance from Stallone yeah. right there. Well, like, and you feel, and you you get the sense of why Rocky Junior might buy it, and you also, and because because of because this is a a relationship that's serial in nature, we know that this is just one cycle in the relationship. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing I love about it is that during that whole moment, Rocky Junior doesn't say a thing. Which also feels emotionally honest, but yeah. Stallone is smart enough to keep putting the camera back on him yeah. because you see the, like the shell-shocked nature of his own son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because he is getting gut punched by his own father emotionally right there. Right. And he doesn't know what to say. Because mm-hmm. somewhere deep inside, I think he knows that his father's right. Yeah. I'm blaming I mean, other he, people you know, he could, he could for be, what's he could going say, wrong hey, in my life. Hey, remember that time you abandoned me for a circus hick? <laughs> That's what I would have said. And we don't talk about that. We became home team by the end of that. Hey, relax. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about about nineteen anything to do with nineteen ninety <laughs> or nineteen eighty six, whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, nineteen ninety in our lives, nineteen eighty six in theirs. Yeah. At any um, rate, I love that scene and that that also the way the way it starts. Uh, you know, it makes it very clear that the characters in this movie live under the yoke of modern America. You mm-hmm. know, it's a mean and nasty world out there. Right. I mean, that's almost, that's as far as it feels like he's ever gone with social criticism. Well, but it, and it's a, you know, kind of going back to Rocky five, there's that idea of you can have everything and lose it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, Life is going to hit you. So what do you do when that happens? Mm-hmm. That, that you know, it's like it's the lesson that Rocky himself has learned. Yeah. Through the course of all these sequels. And it's a good course correction from Rocky Five as well. Like we had such a there was such a kitsch approach to the idea of like street fighting and pulling yourself up mm-hmm. by your bootstraps. Right. It's done in such a cartoonish way. It's nice to sort of hear it just laid out on the line. Uh, with with passion and no extraneous fluff mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of entertainment. Yeah. Well, and then we get to our our fight, and well, we again, got our training montage first. Well, yeah. Sorry, I was. And I the was return gonna, of I Duke. Say, I was gonna say uh, we get to the fight, but first we have both a training montage and a press conference. And well, yeah, the press. <laughs> I lo- I mean, first of all, you know. The pre- press conference is the shades of all the press conferences from the previous movies. Yeah. But it's closest to Rocky Five and just better. That's all. I mean, everything, yeah. That's, that's everything in this movie. But well, still. I love the conversation between him and Mason Dixon mm-hmm. after the press conference. He's like, listen, old man, <laughs> don't fuck with me. <laughs> I'll keep you in the fight as long as I can. And... Rocky kind of makes it clear, like, I didn't come here to lose. I don't care that I'm 110 years old. (laughs) I'm going to give you my best. It's really fun. And that joke they have. Again, we talked about jokes a lot, but when he says it's not over till it's over, he goes, what is that, from the the 80s? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or from the 90s? Again, you know. I can't remember what decades they chose, 90s, 80s, or 80s, 70s. Cautious nostalgia, you know. It's, yeah. It's it's um it's elusive. I'd add to that also. Marie can't remember the time that they like what she said when they met in the first movie. Yeah. Which I think is a clear sign that you know nostalgia is is completely subjective and and not you know it's it's what you remember. It's not what it is. Um. Yeah, but it's and. Uh, I love the fact I, I we talked I think in the Planet of the Apes series about like how to do fan service without knocking fans over the head with it. Mm-hmm. I think the you know this the the sudden appearance of Duke at the press conference without any introduction establishment fanfare 
is absolutely the best way to bring him back into the fold. So. It's just like, he's here because he's always here. He's been here. He's been in my corner since Rocky 3. So, you know, he's back now. Uh, I just love that. Well, I, I'm like, that's my note. I, I thought it was just so amazing to see Duke. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But without, you know, without knocking you over the head with it, making it a reunion, none of it. No. Just, it's like, why wouldn't he be there? Right, of course. <laughs> and also, all he's doing is telling you everything Rocky can't do because of calcium deposits and oh my uh, how God, bad his knees speech. are. And I mean, that's, that's, the, that's to me, that is like the, the peak of this perfectly perched tone between nostalgia and realism you know Mm -hmm. it pays heed to like all the series traditions of the you know the motivational speech and the trainer right Uh, but you know but the reality of you're old yeah you're brittle (laughs) and i think it's just it's just fantastic it reminds me of that scene from the dark knight rises you know where the doctor's just saying no, you. Yeah, yeah, you've got no cartilage in your knee. You got you no cartilage. You, I don't recommend that you paraglide or whatever it was. <laughs> but there's also a sense of let's just get this out of the way, okay? Yeah. Right? There's a million reasons why this guy shouldn't. Um, but again, because they do that smart thing for the fight itself, because if Rocky had tried his best, Tarver would have torn him in half. Yeah. And, and Sylvester Stallone's smart enough to recognize that. And so what he does is, in the first couple rounds of the fight, Tarver, or Mason Dixon, rather, breaks his, his hand. Yeah. And that changes the whole game and the whole thing for the fight. Yeah. You know? So there's a narrative reason why Rocky stays in the fight beyond the fact that he's Rocky Balboa and has a heart. Which is smart. Yeah, yeah very smart. Um... By the way, did you read this? Did you know that... Because they filmed this fight I think it was either before or after I forget which or an actual boxing match in Vegas right okay I was gonna and ask when he that. entered the ring without any indication from Stallone himself or the filmmakers to ask them to do it the entire crowd just started chanting Rocky <laughs> everyone knows the drill by now so when he when 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 you hear that that's spontaneous. <laughs> Yeah, which well, that's such an that's such as an, the actor must have been amazing. <laughs> it's uh, and you know this is such an interesting moment in the series because of that slippage between uh, fact and fiction, mm-hmm. which has always kind of come to a fore with these with these boxing matches. But uh, you know, here making it specifically the HBO coverage that we're watching. Yes, I love it. Like you know, the movie is watching a fight on TV. Yes. Right. That's yes. Exactly. Here. And I think yeah, like we've 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 been put we've we've been put indirectly in the position of TV viewers before, but never like so specifically where you have eye dents mm-hmm. and you're actually you're watching you're watching the coverage as you would see it on TV. Not not the high the definition glossy look. Right. Exactly. Of an HBO fight comes into you know is how this and fight then, starts. And then, of course, Tyson appears. Yes. <laughs> which is, again, another tick in that sort of documentary column. Um, but here's what, I, here's what I want to talk about. Here's another intertext that uh, I think is important here. All right. In 1996, The Simpsons released an episode called The Homer They Fall. Yes. 
in which Homer enters the world of professional boxing. That's underneath. how we opened the episode. I, I talked about fustigating. Yeah, right. <laughs> and obviously, you know, it, because Homer has an unusually hard head. Yes. So he can take more punches than the average human, but he can't punch. He has um, to wait till they tire themselves out. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you can see how this would this is inspired by Rocky to some extent. Uh, however, I think large parts of this fight are inspired by that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> I find it perfectly plausible that a man who put a robot in a movie because one talked to him in a pizza parlor caught a rerun of this episode, or somebody told him about this episode, and he lifted elements from it in there. Because Homer ends up fighting the heavyweight champion, Dredderick Tatum. Who is Tyson. Yeah. He's completely outmatched. And he <laughs> the the scene I remember the, the moment I remember from the episode is that uh, Dredderick Tatum comes out to, you know, latest gangster rap theme and Homer comes out to Why Can't We Be Friends by War. Right. And I have to say there's a very similar moment here. Yes, there is. <laughs> in which Mason comes out to the latest gangster rap theme. And um and oh, and sorry, and Rocky comes and Homer. Out to High Hopes by Frank Sinatra, Sinatra. which is Paulie's pick, which obviously. is Paulie's choice, which is also that's a bit of a masterstroke that Paulie decides and on the may, music. It's just, and he just looks at him and says, "I like you know, it's it's Sinatra. I mean, you know, it works in so many ways. There's that sort of Italian brotherhood that you know element to it, and." You, and, of course, you know, Sinatra's connection with the world that Stallone is in, and, but oh my, when <laughs> the, and the fact that Rocky is reacting and didn't know about this, uh, so so I think I think he saw this episode and I think he he took that, <laughs> but he and turned it into a great moment. Um, but it's just another example of using the you know the best version of something, right? Like you know. Mel Brooks, you got to know where to steal from. Well, now, what do you think you're about stealing the... from Orson Welles and The Simpsons? You're in good company. Uh huh. <laughs> what do you think about the fight itself? Because, I mean, they did this in Rocky Four as well. I don't think quite as much, but 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 from what I understand, and he's in the ring with a professional boxer. Right. They just stood in the ring and hit each other. Mm-hmm. It's not like Rocky Three. No. When you see a bunch of fake hits that are clearly fake hits. Right. They, they, you know, this fight feels more like a real fight than maybe any of the fights in the series. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, it, it, it's an, it feels like a, it's complimenting that scene at the market. You know, you yeah. sort of like, you're just watching Rocky, you're just watching Stallone shopping. Right. It's here. It's like, yeah, yeah now, now, now Stallone's in the ring yeah, with a professional fighter hitting him. I mean, it's the same. Uh, it it certainly starts off that way. The I think what's kind of interesting because I think we've alluded to this before that that more than any fight other than the in the original movie, this fight is less of an event and more just part of the rich mosaic of the film. Mm-hmm. It's just a scene in the film. Exactly. Um, and. The kind of ersatz TV coverage is actually a good way to detach us from that. Of course, the sense of like oh, I was surprised to TV. learn, by the way, that they filmed like three different endings. They filmed him losing. They filmed him winning. 
they There's filmed. No I mean, that's that that a drive, been I think, or something. What they got was, you know, he went, you know, he goes the distance. Yeah. They don't push the implausibility. It's like, it's all about going the distance. It's all about, he just needs to finish the fight. And also, this is the first time, because Rocky Five took place in a street, but this is the first time where they're acknowledging we forget. that the sport is acknowledging, uh, like, the toll that two men beating each other up takes. And so it's not 15 rounds, it's only 10 rounds oh, okay. or 12 or... Um, and I really like that too. <laughs> when when Rocky Junior says, "By the way, Milo Ventimiglia," yeah, excellent performance. Yeah, unsung, Both unsung. His, I was gonna say, in specifically his viewpoint mm-hmm. as a character, and this is very actory. But his viewpoint as the character is so clear. It's also very clear in the writing too. But his yes. viewpoint is so clear. Um, it, 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 and it's just like, it's an authentically aged version of that character. Absolutely. Um, but so that's just, that's just by the by. But, um, I did think it was, <laughs> I did think it was interesting when he said, it's been a long time since I've seen a fight. And it's like, hope he's talking about the one he watched, uh, on TV that was in Russia and not the one outside his <laughs> in house. The street with the, with these the push-in zoom of get him he got he stole my room oh my god yeah <laughs> so um, terrible and then but that so the the non uh also yeah w- what's great here is you know having built that relationship between mason and his trainer mm-hmm. now that pays off in this scene because uh it it you know Martin's giving him all the, you know, this advice, and we yeah. see Mason's viewpoint on what's going on, and again, resisting the urge of the past few movies to just demonize. To the demonize, opponent. I love it when they come out for the last round. Yeah, and what he says to Rocky, he says, "You're one crazy old man." <laughs> right, right. That's great. It is. It is great. Um, and then we start to get halfway in and out of the TV coverage. non Yeah, we get uh, some in. black and white. We get some stylized. When he goes to his knee and has his speech about what did I say to the kid? Yeah. You know, how you got to keep oh, pushing yeah, I forward. Mean, so uh, we haven't really talked about it in this movie, probably because it's such a good movie and, and it doesn't matter. But, but we've had quite a bit of recap montage so far. And <laughs> now we're getting internal voiceover. And these are the two most alarming trends of late Stallone filmmaking. Right. For me. So they are in this movie, but again, they're just offset by everything else. Yeah. And they feel like, it's like, well, I guess his grief justifies the flashbacks. Uh, but but internal internal voiceover, I, it, it just, he likes it, but it doesn't never really works. He's a fan. Yeah, he's a fan. I would uh, argue but- that like it works better in this than probably anything else he did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. But the, I I was really interested to see how the black and white had these isolated fluorescent colors in it. Yes. Almost like you know he's pulled from Raging Bull before, but now he's gone to like Rumblefish. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's in. Col- <laughs> he's just full film school bratting it right yeah. now. Again. You know, cine literacy, secret smart guy. Uh, we got some nice product placement with the Golden Palace dot oh, yeah. ladies. Uh, nice bit of money coming in from them, I'm sure. Cha-ching. Um, or maybe that was just you know who the sponsors that were there. Actually, just... yeah, because it was a real fight. So <laughs> it was a real fight. Maybe so. they just piggybacked. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and we have another recap montage in the ring. Uh, the excuse this time is concussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, shit. So, it's... And then... But, yeah. uh, you know, I would also say, like, it's funny what we think of as, as important in a Rocky sequel and a Rocky fight. We're yeah. always looking for the, that eventual knockout. I love how this fight ends. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. I think the way that the way that the fight ends and, and you know, the, the way that the fight wraps up is... This is the only movie in the done. series... That feels like a, a a truly real boxing match, hmm. especially at the end. Well, and, and you know, it's all it, it's all about what what we've earned in the course of the movie. So when he when he publicly compliments Dixon, yeah, it makes sense because we've never seen Dixon as a villain. It's right. not like a turnaround. You know, he's just he's only ever been a flaw at worst a flawed antihero for us. Yeah, so it's like so that makes total sense. Uh, but, then, I, you know, like, the, again, all the touches. He leaves the ring before he even finds out. That's what, yeah. It's it, amazing. And, and it, it's that kind of cycling back to the the logic of the original movie. It's only the performance that matters. The outcome exactly. is, is, is almost irrelevant. Um, but it's also a great, you know, it's also his curtain call, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure at the time it felt like it was the last time he'd ever play the character. He thought so. Yeah. So clearly this, you know, this is, I mean, he last... told Kugler, he's like, I think I played it out with Rocky Balboa. And he's like, just listen to the idea. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. His last bow, to, his last bow to the audience and, you know, his connection with, with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie doesn't end there. <laughs> <laughs> So we have, you know, we we have our first ending, which is the kind of freeze frame on him, like grabbing a hand from the crowd, mm-hmm. which, you know, is is perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm gonna say, if it ended there, you wouldn't feel cheated. Um, then he puts a rose on his wife's gravestone. He uh, goes all soft focus. And disappears, a la without a trace. <laughs> so, I don't know if the if then the next movie Rocky is a missing person. Or yeah, right. <laughs> or buried next to his wife. And you know this is full on sentimental melodramatic ending, but sure. again earned. Yeah. And it's not that the, it's not that you can't do that in this movie, but you have to know how to keep it in check, and the movie. Has kept and it. it does do that, yeah. Yeah, the movie keeps it in check, and now is the time to splurge, right? Um, and then we're into okay, so sec. That's the second ending. Okay, so <laughs> we're, we're we're two for two now. <laughs> then we have a sequence, which I'm interested to hear how you feel about, um, of the general public imitating Rocky's right uh, running up the steps famous moment how do you feel about that sir i mean it's not the not the movie at its finest no yes exactly right it um it feels indulgent i think is the best way to put it yeah 
And presumably an iPhone talked to him at a pizza parlor in Polish. <laughs> you know what you should do? I got an idea. Hello. I'm YouTube. <laughs> There's lots of clips of you doing this on YouTube and a bunch of people doing it on their phones. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't want to talk about it too much. It's indulgent. <laughs> it's, I don't uh, have to think about this. We don't have hey. to belabor you know, it's the cheesy, unnecessary, it's early internet the age. of it. <laughs> it's cheesy, it's early internet age. Let me yeah. tell you, this is better than another recap montage, which is yeah, what yeah, he would have done. I'll, I'll, agree with that. Done I'll take that over a recap this. montage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it sort of thematically fits with this idea of, like, the slippage between fact and fiction in Rocky movies. Yeah. It's a good way of playing that out. But I gotta say, like, the last ending is the best ending. It's him looking out over the steps. That is the correct ending for this movie. Yeah. We've tried three or four. This is the one. That finished. Yeah, yeah. That, that that is the one. But I don't begrudge them have like like why why shouldn't he have fun and see some like babies climbing a Sure. I mean once Tommy Gunn has done it, all bets are off. All bets are off. Right. I mean he could have like an octopus going up there. You know, it's just him or... and his dog this time. <laughs> um, and then you, then my final final note is about this. <laughs> this is the, this is, and that's all credit check by the way. Mm-hmm. We kind of we sort of in in somewhere in between the second and third ending of this movie, the credits started. Right. Uh, this is the most cultured soundtrack in the series. Yeah, it's full of opera and classical music. You're right. And modern classics like Smokey Robinson. And yet, but there still isn't a Rocky film that Frank Stallone can't get his hands on somewhere. I know. Because he's also... But, uh, I mean, that's... Those like dirty mitts are going to make their way into into this, into these movies. Yeah. It, it, like, the the very... Because, I mean, he's he opens the movie, right? It basically, with the... The trash can singers open the movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, So, there's a sense of... Again, that kind of like... The trash can singers... <laughs> what, what what else would you call them? No, there's nothing. There's literally there's nothing, nothing else, else to call them. Frank Stallone and the Trash Can Singers. Yeah. Uh, so you know that that's all I had um, for this. Uh, all right. This movie, but well, safe to say I I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's it's a really great movie. It's it's a great movie. It really is. Yeah. And a great sequel. Yeah, and a great final movie yeah not that this is the final movie, not the yeah but but it would it, of it, his story it is though you know we're gonna move on to creed's story but right you know and rocky is a part of that story but this closes out the rocky saga well uh yeah i think as as it's better than any series i can i mean you know we'll We'll be on the lookout to see if, right. if this ever happens again. But right now, this is the this is the front runner. Yeah, of belated sequels that uh, that cap off the series. That cap off the series. At, You're right. At, yeah, at absolutely. Uh, this, I is mean, the, Fu- this is the Fury Road. I don't know. That's that's the only other one. Ooh, that, comes that is to mind. yeah, yeah. But um, but that that's you know, that's an entirely different cast. And they have more coming. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Then I don't think that counts. It's more of a different thing. I also think, I mean, I, 
<laughs> secret smart guy. I also think this was secretly quite an influential movie. At least where American cinema is concerned. Not just because of Creed, although obviously, you know. Mm -hmm. th this. How else? Well, just this sort of, like, when watching this and then I'm, I'm comparing it to, like, movies that are about, like, East Coast white working class toughness. Like right. The Fighter and Silver Linings Playbook. And it's like the character of Angie, the way Marie is introduced to us, the, the whole idea of the Lucky Seven Tavern. Right. Like, the way that's moved on from this kind of like, it, you know, in, the, in Rocky V, it was like Cheers. Right. Now it's like that, um, it's like Horace and Pete. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And it's just, it's this soulless, empty place. So it's like, I don't know, it's just like the, the next, you know, various movies starring Jennifer Lawrence that are about how how you know loud and aggressive people on the east coast are yes. in working class neighborhoods <laughs> That's great. all right well ladies and gentlemen that is rocky balboa if you have something to add by all means you let us know we want to know where rocky balboa lies for you in the series is it your favorite as well or do you like something else Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Tom, say goodbye to the good people. What's so special about Italian food cooked by a bunch of Mexicans? <laughs> you ended with racism? Of course. <laughs> All right. Hey, Paulie's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> because they're the best cooks. Because they're the best cooks. And once again, this movie does not pretend that, that uh, as, as you know and as I know, that, you know, without, without Mexicans, there is no... Go to any in restaurant in the world, and that's where you're going to find great cooks making great food, no matter, you know, what style of cuisine even the guy doing the dishes yeah who is you know also a priest we didn't talk about that <laughs> did we also, yeah. they managed to combine amalgamate father carmine and spider, and spider. into one kind of uber uber character character all right ladies and gentlemen stay tuned we're pitching sequels next have a great day